we mix it up as much as we can do and show people that there is a huge market for this. There is a huge variety of the horror genre. It's not just girls being chased in the woods. Monster Island Resort listeners, thank you for returning once again to the Monster Island Resort, your online radio show that goes bump in the night. Many of you listeners know the name of Beth Accomando. She has been an integral partner in creating a unique film community here in San Diego, and she has also been on the show in the past, notably in the episode detailing our experience at Fright Fest in London. Back in November, she had another UK horror film festival experience, when she and our good friends from MovieDromeDVD.com, Aled and Jessica, went to the six-day Abattoir Film Festival in Wales. I know it has taken me a long while to get this going, but we are finally going to give a voice to a few of the filmmakers, some of the film festival directors, and one very special guest, one of my favorite horror film composers, Mr. Fabio Frizzi, who composed many scores for films, but probably is best known in horror circles for his frequent collaborations with the hallucinogenic horror master, Lucio Fulci. But anyway, first of all, hi, Beth. Hello. (laughs) Tell me, first of all, about your overall experiences at the Abattoir Film Festival. It was fabulous, I have to say. It's like your festival in the sense that it's small and intimate, and you really get a chance to talk to the filmmakers. You get a chance to interact with the audience. You get a chance to really feel like you're part of a little community. And this is especially true at Abattoir because they bring guests out, but there's not this big division between, you know, the guests aren't being limoed in in the back Mm -hmm. and snuck in and then immediately ushered off the stage. You know, they come down through the aisles. They come up on stage. They're really up close and personal to you. And you feel very much at ease asking them questions. They're in the bar sometimes afterwards. So there's this nice sense of intimacy. And, and that you can talk to these people and ask them about their films and have a real discussion. And a key component to making this such a nice intimate festival is Gaz Bailey, who oversees it. And he has this great enthusiasm for horror and for film. He's kind of like the guys who run Comic-Con, where they're so enthusiastic about what they're doing, and they're so much a fan of what they're doing that it's hard to see them sometimes as being the organizers of the event because they seem so much a part of the kind of the geekdom of it. Fabio Fritzi was out signing autographs. Gaz was there with his posters and eagerly waiting in line to get them signed. And I was thinking, wow, dude, can't you get this done? <laughs> you know, like, wouldn't he do this for you before or after? But so it's that enthusiasm that really makes the festival special. He really takes great care in picking the films. And he works with two other programmers. And they have such enthusiasm for the films. And they really try to give a sense of the diversity of horror. And they don't want to just get all the same. When when you go there, there were so many, there were ghost stories, but it was ghost, everything was kind of a reinvention of what you were familiar with. So you Mm -hmm. had ghosts, but not quite the way you expected them. You had vampires in Kiss of the Dams and Khmer's, 
And again, there was a twist on what that was. There was a found footage film, but again, it turned out to be so much better and different than what you'd seen before. So they were finding things that were kind of familiar, and yet there was a freshness to what the films were bringing to it. And again, and also a diversity of the kinds of films there were. There were ghosts, there were science fiction films, there were old zombie films, there were a tribute to Hammer films. So there's this nice diversity that addresses this sense that horror is not one thing. And it was also refreshing that we didn't get a lot of what we saw at Fright Fest, which was the (laughs) rapey, rapey films, (laughs) Uh, the hidden in the woods kind of films. And they made a point of pointing out that they had an opportunity to run hidden in the woods, but chose not to because they, they did feel it had kind of copped out to certain cliches in the Mm -hmm. horror genre and that they could do better than that. And so it was refreshing to see these films where there was a lot. And they were were humorous horror films too, Bad Milo. So a really nice selection of films and a a very intimate, cozy setting where you feel very much at home. And there's a bar. They even had their own beer, a Peter (laughs) Cushing beer. So that made it pretty special. They also had some nice little souvenirs. They had these buttons made that were special with Vincent Price, and then uh, I believe it was Ingrid Pitt was on the other one. So that makes it, sense. Has, it has a very nice uh, feel to the whole event. I would love to go back again. It was a, a great experience. They had Q&A sections, I know. Are there any uh, good stories that you have from the Q&A sections? Yeah, the Q&As were very good. And one thing about them, too, was you didn't feel this rushed sense. Sometimes you go to films mm-hmm. where everything's scheduled so tight that once the Q&A starts, you get maybe five, 10 minutes. If you're lucky, maybe Mm -hmm. 15. Usually it's just the moderator gets to ask a few questions and then maybe one question from the audience. But this, they allotted 30 minutes, an hour. So we had a nice long time talking with these filmmakers and actors. I think for me, probably the highlight of the Q&As was the one after Fulci Zombie, which had Richard Johnson and Fabio Fritzi. And Richard Johnson enjoyed telling some stories about Fulci as a director. In particular, he talked about the young woman who swims with the shark and the zombie. If you remember her, she was quite lovely. Mm-hmm. But... Fulci didn't hide the fact that she was hired mainly for her attributes and not for her acting. Yes. And so Richard Johnson (laughs) said that when Fulci tried to direct her, he was getting more and more frustrated every time. And at one point, trying to get her to give, and this is what he called it, a vague approximation of human behavior. Just a vague approximation was impossible. And at a certain point, Fulci got so angry, he threw himself on the ground and started to pound his fists into the grass and eat the grass. And they were saying, Lucio, what's going on? And he says, I eat the grass or I eat her. And he, he said he just couldn't take it anymore. So that that's the kind of thing that... That came about. And Richard Johnson and Fabio Fritzi were quite animated and and very entertaining to listen to. And we'll get some of Fritzi's animation in the interview we'll hear in just a minute. Because we're going to listen to five interviews that you got at the fest. You were kind of our foreign correspondent (laughs) in a way. And in each interview, you include some 
recurring questions, mm-hmm. too. One of them is which film the person you're interviewing is grateful for. And the other one is what is the first film they remember scaring them, since it is a horror film festival? What made those questions stand out for you? What made them uh, repeat worthy, I guess? A couple of things. The film that you're thankful for, mm-hmm. I did go in November, so I had Thanksgiving on my mind. Yeah. But it's a notion where I've asked this of filmmakers before, and it's really interesting to get responses because sometimes there are the films that they give are not the ones that you would expect. Mm. And sometimes it is the film that kind of helps define who they are and what they are. I asked Guillermo del Toro this, and he said he was thankful for Frankenstein, the mm-hmm. original Frankenstein, because to him that kind of set up everything that his films were going to be about. So I find it a revealing question to ask. And it's revealing in a way that's a little less direct sometimes and saying like, oh, you know, what are your films about? Or what is it that concerns you? But to say, what's the film that you would most thankful for that you'd have to take with you that you couldn't live without, I think Mm -hmm. says a lot about who the filmmaker is. And the first film that scares you, I've always found that an interesting question because I think it, again, it, it helps to explain some things for people sometimes um, when you hear what the first film that scared you with. Also, sometimes it has to do with what your parents were willing to let you watch yeah. reveals something about how you were brought up or how you got exposed to horror. Uh, I mean, for me, I remember being taken to The Collector, the 1966 Terrence Stamp film where he kidnaps women and locks them away. When I was about six years old, my parents took me and they took me to see Yojimbo. And I (laughs) I had that image of the dog carrying the severed arm seared into my brain. But I think having been exposed to that at a very young age made me want to seek those films out to prove that I could take them and not be scared, that I Mm -hmm. could face the darkness and be strong And and, and overcome it. So I always find finding out what the the first one that scared them is interesting. Plus, it's interesting to find out the kind of things that scare people. Yeah, it's always different. And Disney ends up on those <laughs> lists yeah. a lot. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get some examples of that from the interviews that we're about to listen to. But one thing I did note is how often the film that first scares someone is the same film that they're most grateful for. That happens a lot, too. Yeah. And you can see why. Yeah. I mean, you get that kind of visceral connection. It's like when you – we've talked about this before, but mm-hmm. when you go see a really bad film and you see it with a bunch of friends, it's like going through combat of some sort and you right. form this camaraderie that centers around that film and it, it's a marking point. Mm-hmm. And so I think for someone, when you see a film that really scares you, it leaves this deep imprint. And if you learn to embrace that darkness and appreciate that horror, then it becomes something that's very powerful to you and you can't live without that. It's almost a spiritual experience. Yes. Yes. Before we get on to the interviews, uh, you and I both work on film festivals, student film festivals, a horror film festival. We do more film events per month than we probably should. (laughs) So when you go to other film festivals, And especially when you went to film festivals like this one where you're going with the intention of interviewing people and looking more at the inner workings of it. What do you find that you learn that you can take back for our own efforts here in San Diego? A couple of things. In talking to Gaz, he mentioned the fact that he has to watch a lot of awful films to get to these gems. And I think that's something you have to learn to appreciate when you're programming films. 
that you're not going to be just getting all cream of the crop and that you are going to have to slosh through some stuff that's pretty awful. But then you find those gems and they seem even brighter by comparison. So uh, hearing him talk about that was a a reaffirmation that what we're going through is not any different than what other festivals do. That it's not like, oh, we're getting crappy submissions. It's like there's a lot of crap out there and you do have to wade through a lot of it to find the really good films. And something that I think you already do, but the sense that horror is a very diverse genre Mm -hmm. and to really – Seek out those films that prove how varied that genre can be and how different directors can come at it from such completely different ways. That, again, is more a reaffirmation. And the intimacy of the festival, I think, is really nice. We went to Fright Fest. It was a great festival. Um, It was a lot of fun. But we were in this thousand-seat theater. We were way in the back. The guests that were on stage were, you know, little (laughs) ants up there. And even though it was good, the intimacy of this festival where you're all sitting in close proximity, you're close enough to see the expressions on the guest's face and to ask a question without even having to use a microphone is really very enjoyable. And it gives it a very different feel. It feels much more like a community of people, a bunch of friends getting together. You feel much more engaged in just chatting with people in the audience. So I think that's something that is nice to foster. And I know that you struggle with different venues and Mm -hmm. where you want to hold your festival. And I don't think that having a small venue is a negative in any way, shape or form. Right. For for that for that additional piece it gives you of the community feel. Yeah. Yeah, I I can see that. Going back to what you just said about the diversity of horror, that's going to kind of lead into this first interview, because I did appreciate the interview with Gaz Bailey. And he talks about that, how horror is not just what a lot of people who don't understand it seem to think it Mm -hmm. is, which is, you know, a monster or a masked person chasing a girl through the woods is virtually how he called it, how it can be so many different things. And and I really related to him talking about that. If you go onto the Horrible Imagining site and see my mission statement, it says virtually the same thing about how it's actually a grander umbrella than we give it credit for. And so many things are underneath that. And so many things are of interest to people who enjoy horror. Like people who enjoy horror can see elements of that in, say, like film noir or old silent films, or they can see elements in any kind of film that they appreciate in horror because the themes and the messages kind of are a little more universal than we give it credit for. So that's something I try to do with Horrible Imaginings, and it's nice to see a programmer or director of a film festival in Wales with a very similar kind of Mm -hmm. mission. So we're going to get to the interviews, and we're starting with interviews of the directors of the film festival. We do have an interview with Gaz Bailey, as well as one with Nia Edwards-Behi. And I'm sorry if I'm butchering (laughs) the pronunciation of your names. But before we get to uh, Nia and Gaz's interviews, is there anything you want to say about them or mention? Or should we just go right into it? I think just go right in. I think you're going to hear the enthusiasm and the dedication in their voice and in, in what they're saying. And it's very infectious. You talk to these people, and I'm already in love with horror, but talking to them, I just feel like, I, I want to volunteer for your festival. Yeah. I want to help you out. Can I donate money or do something? It's like a renewal. Yeah. And so I think they speak for themselves quite well. So let's let them talk. Okay. Let's start with Gaz Bailey. So your festival is over. How does that year <sighs> feel? 
<laughs> it's absolutely exhausted. Um, I, the six days have just gone by in a, in a, in a world in a complete flash. Um, well, I'm still completely excited. I mean, the, the, <laughs> the fact that I've I've been planning next year's festival in the middle of this year's festival. <laughs> just, I just can't wait for the next one. I, I can't wait for it all to be over and for, for me to have a day off. But at the same time, I just can't wait for November to come around again. And this is your sixth year? This is our eighth Eight? year. Oh, Eight okay. times we've been doing this, which goes <laughs> to show they're obviously doing something right. And, and you know, and you can see why our crowd today, you know, they've had a wonderful time. And and it's nice to see so many familiar faces. Like over the years, they're, they're all the same people. And, and they're bringing their friends and their friends are bringing uh, new friends. And it's, it's, it's like a growing family. And I think that's, the, that's what we strive to get in our festival is that sort of family atmosphere. Why did you decide to start a horror festival? Because I program the cinema here in Aberystwyth and I'm a big horror fan obviously. Frankly at the time, eight years ago, there were no horror events in Wales. I mean you had to travel all the way to London or or Edinburgh to to see a decent horror festival and it was just something I thought well you know I'm going to put on a couple of of horror films around Halloween. We noticed that Robin Hardy was doing a book tour of of Cowboys for Christ and we managed to get him to to appear here at Halloween. So obviously we showed The Wicker Man, and then I got carried away. I thought, oh, I'm going to show I'm going to show a Hammer horror film. I'm going to show another horror film. We, we made this little three-day sort of mini-event, and it was just uh, incredibly popular. We thought, wow, this is <laughs> this is exciting. And uh, and it's sort of grown from there, really. It's uh, it's now six days long, and we're still... We're still doing it with the same amount of passion and dedication that probably shouldn't be doing, but it, it is. It's just incredible. Why your passion for horror? I mean, what is it about horror films that makes you love them so much to put all this work into a festival? Ah, that's a good question. I think it's the entertainment value. I'm not going to say it's the shock value. It's the fun of it. It's the fun of, of seeing, you know, these these wonderful icons like Vincent Price and Peter Cushing up on the big screen again. And like I was saying before in my earlier discussion, the, um, the my love of B-movies, it's all entertainment. It's, it's fun. It's exciting. And it's just getting that that feeling and sharing it with other people. And do you also feel in a certain sense that horror doesn't always get the respect that you'd like it to see? Oh, totally. Absolutely correct. The people think of horror films, I mean, generally people think, oh, it's just some, some girl in the woods getting chased by, by whoever, and it's the same old thing. That's true to some respect. That, that is, there is a lot of that, an awful lot of that, and I absolutely hate it. And I think you'll see by our lineup that there's none of that. Or if there is, there's limited amounts and it, there's something that, that makes it better than all the others. Because believe me, we sit through awful, awful films and we're not in, interested in that. You know, and it's the skill of the filmmaker to, to play with your emotions or psychology to make you scared in a film. Or at least to, to play with your knowledge of other horror films you've making a homage that, that is that strange color of your body's tears we 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 screened today and what another interesting thing is is that you'll find that a lot of our audience are not the the stereotypical horror fan that most people think they are i mean we've shown a huge amount of subtitled films um, we've shown films from from switzerland from laos from, from germany from spain and people for once, people don't care if it's subtitled or not. They just trust us to, to put on a good horror movie, and, and we've managed to do that. Well, we look for originality, 
above all else it has, has to be something different uh, obviously for the late night screenings we're looking for something fun but it's got to be it's got to be diverse in our whole selection we'll go from sort of like art house horror to to crazy japanese splatter movies to cult classics like the, the vincent price movies the, the hammer house of horror movies and then then we'll go to the silent silent films with live piano accompaniment we, we'll mix it up as much as we can do and show people that there is a huge market for this there is a huge variety of the horror genre it's not just girls being chased in the woods oh i can't tell you how boring it is just to see the same thing again yeah i mean you just, our submissions list as these these are great films that are being submitted but they're just not for us you know they're, they're for other festivals who, who cater to a different type of crowd but we cater to people who really want to get at the core of what horror is about the people who have a serious passion serious love of, of the genre and i think yeah i, I yeah we, we don't need to see the same film again and again and again there's the the dvd rental store for that i'm particularly proud that this festival is, which which started as a, as I said, a little a little thing about eight years ago. Um, we now get funding from the Film Agency for Wales and the BFI, and the fact that we're getting public funding from these these major institutions. I mean, that's that's something I'm extremely proud of, and I'm extremely proud of that they believe in us. They can see what we're doing. You know, that says a lot, that, that a horror festival can get all this wonderful support from the, the public bodies. It's, 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 I'm very proud. Okay, so as you can see, that was Gaz talking about his film festival. Now we'll listen to one of his partners, Nia edwards Behi. Is there something you want to say about Nia? I think it's really great to have a woman involved in a horror film festival at a level where she can make her voice heard in terms of the decisions as to what's shown. She's very clear that she's not trying to put that in the forefront. She's Mm -hmm. not looking for women filmmakers. She's not looking for feminist horror films or anything like that. But it's nice to get a different perspective. We don't have that many women horror filmmakers out there. So it's nice that there is somebody who is at least conscious of when those films are coming out and at least checking them out, not giving them any special treatment, but saying like, hey, let's at least look at them and see if they're worth showing. So I think it's nice to have a little bit of a different voice come Mm -hmm. in on this. Ultimately, it's about the quality of Mm -hmm. the film that she wants to show, and and that's interesting. So let's hear what she has to say. My name's Nia. I'm co-director of the festival. And because this is a horror festival, I'm asking everyone, can you remember the Mm. first film that ever scared you? It doesn't have to be the actual first film. Oh, wow. The first time you were ever scared of (sighs) Probably the strongest memory I might have is is a TV episode, and it's um, an episode of the X-Files, and it's called Detour. And my friend and I, um, this was when I was about 10, I think, 9 or 10, and a friend of mine had come over just for the evening for some food, and, you know, like you do when you're 10 or whatever, Um, and we'd watched this episode of the X-Files. Now, later on, I became a really big fan of the X-Files, but at this point, I wasn't yet really into it, and it's it's the episode where they... um, they go into the woods and there's these like red-eyed mothmen chasing them and they're like camouflaged and all this kind of thing. And then that kind of freaked me out. And then we were taking my friend home. So my dad, my mum and dad were in the car. My dad was driving. And it's really dark. And it's quite, uh, it's not, not like a big motorway or anything where I live or where I, you know, back home. Um, and my dad pretends to break down the car so he's because they they break down in in the episode and I was like what are you doing I know you're pretending but this is terrifying stop keep going and I think that's probably my strongest memory because I think and I think that's fitting because I think I came to horror like quite late compared to a lot of people um I I've always been into kind of 
TV, sci-fi, fantasy type stuff, but also think, you know, things like The X-Files and Buffy I've always been into. And it's only sort of when I came to study film and TV as a degree, which coincidentally was the same year that Abattoir started, which I came along to, that I just went, whoa, horror's amazing, and, and, you know, got exposed to all these amazing films, and it's just become this genre that I just completely, completely love. This year's festival, it's felt like a lot of hard work. It always feels like hard work every year, of course, because, you know, you're, you're striving so hard to find films that you hope people will love. Um, but it, it seemed particularly hard this year, but it's been so rewarding and so satisfying to see people's responses. Um, I know quite a few of the films we picked, we thought that's going to divide the audience. Um, and I'm really pleased when it does, in a way. Not because some people haven't enjoyed the film, but because it means that, you know... It's appealed to some people, not to others. Other films have appealed to the other people and not the others. So, you know, I think it's so important to get that kind of mix of responses from people. Um, Because I I know personally, I'm always grateful when I watch a film, and even if I don't necessarily love it, because there's quite a lot of films on the festival circuit this year that I personally haven't enjoyed, that are getting, you know, I won't name them, (laughs) you know, other people are singing the praises of, which I watch and go... I completely appreciate that it's, you know, it's really good and why other people like it, but I personally have kind of gone, eh, you know, indifferent or whatever. And, but I enjoy that experience of watching something and going, oh, wow, okay, so everyone else has loved it, why haven't I loved it? And kind of deconstructing things like that. And I, I love seeing our audience respond to things that we've seen because there's been some films that I've loved this year that we've programmed that people have come to me and say and said I didn't really like it I don't know and it's really interesting to hear that kind of feedback and it's always really kind of it's humbling in the first place that people buy passes to this festival before we announce any kind of lineup and you think my god the responsibility now of programming but it's always nice to then talk to people on the day and to hear this feedback and to hear people kind of enjoying the experience of seeing films they wouldn't normally watch maybe that they didn't necessarily love or whatever but they still kind of get something from them and I think that's such a rewarding thing and you kind of get reminded wow yeah this is why I do this personally I think I'm particularly proud this year actually we've had four films this year that were directed by women I'm conscious not to make too big of a deal of it because you know I am very proud of that fact but I also don't want to be like hey guys special cases look at this thing you know and it's I think kind of striking that balance of wanting to promote a particular type of filmmaker or a particular type of story with the fact that you are just wanting to show the best possible films and in a way I think it's the, the kind of the good thing about the, the mix of people we have doing sort of programming we're quite a small team but um, is that we do I think because we're a small team even we have quite distinctive voices so Gaz might watch something and I'll go oh god no or you know I'll watch something and I'll go no because I mean I can think I can, I'm not going to name it but there's a particular film that I absolutely loved completely that I would have programmed like in an instant but that Gaz kind of went no I don't think we'll show that and you know obviously we have that kind of um, those discussions and we you know you know we don't have fights about it because we respect the fact that obviously we're coming from different angles sometimes you know a lot of the time we agree completely on these films but it's kind of like I, I think of it in a similar way to the fact that we're also you know we're set in Wales as a festival and personally that's something I'd like to see more of is more Welsh horror films um, particularly Welsh language horror films but there aren't that many and in the same vein that when I see that a film has been submitted or a film is being directed by a woman I think oh god I have to I'm going to go watch that if it's not of the kind of quality or the or whatever that we need as much as I want to help promote that at the same time I try to ground myself by thinking okay people are paying money to come to my festival we have to show just the films that we think are the best ones
Okay, so we have met the people who run the festival. Let's talk to or hear from some of their guests. What we're going to have are a bunch of filmmakers of some of the independent films. And then our last interview will be with Mr. Fabio Fritzi, <laughs> because he's our headliner as far as I'm concerned. But uh, next, there was a, a film called Chimere. Mm -hmm. uh, or if you're trying to read this word in English, it looks like it's called chimeras. Yes. <laughs> C-H-I-M-E-R-E-S. Chimera. The director is a gentleman, Olivier Begia, and he's actually a Horrible Imaginings alumnus. We showed his short film, Employee of the Month, which starred Katrina McCall from... Speaking of Fulci. Lucio Fulci, yeah, <laughs> speaking, she's from the Beyond and and uh, Gates of Hell, City of the Living Dead, those films, and uh, she also is in Chimere. But he had another lead actress with him during this interview. Her name was Yesna Kahutova. I believe she was very good. Thank you. <laughs> I believe she's a Czech actress. I believe so. Yeah. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I believe that she did talk about being from the Czech Republic. Uh, but they seem to be very playful and rib <laughs> each other a lot. Is there anything you want to say about this interview before we go into it? They were very enjoyable to uh, listen to when they started to argue about Black Swan. It was, that was very amusing. So, <laughs> yeah. I think we'll let people love that. And their film, just to, to give people a little setup for mm -hmm. it, is a reinvention of the vampire film. And... It has a very nice kind of twist at the end because you, it, it sort of turns into a, re a revenge story that you didn't expect. It's that surprise that makes it so much better. And it's also, you know, the antithesis of Twilight. So yeah. that's well, always that's a good nice. thing. Yes, yes. And I'm dying to see it, too, because Employee of the Month was truly an excellent short. So I'd like to see what Mr. Big Yaw does with a full feature film. To start, can I get each of you to introduce yourself and tell me what your role was in the film? So I'm, uh, I'm Olivier Begin, director of Chimère. Very complicated names to say, Begin and Chimère. And, and her name as well. I am Yasna Kohoutova, and I am uh, one of the lead... I'm the leadest actress, but we are two in the movie, so there is the lead you actor. You don't say leadest. You're the lead, <laughs> lead actor. Maybe I feel it's like this now. <laughs> this is but she's joke. the lead actress. Yeah. All right, yeah, because it's a story about relationships, so we are two. Since we are at a horror film festival, the first question I wanted to ask you is, can you remember the first film that scared you? I can't. I Really, it, it, it's one of these questions that, that pops up from time to time, and, and I wish I could remember, but I can't. I, I, I think, I mean, cannot remember, or maybe some... It's it's probably gonna be some some parts of of a Disney movie, I guess, and 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 and, 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 and no no seriously no seriously some clowns I, I'm, no I'm sorry. <laughs> and 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 I think maybe if if I go back and and research what I could see because the first film you would see with your parents are this Disney movie and mm -hmm. I think the 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 whale sequence the belly of the whale in Pinocchio is 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 one thing that that has an impact with me but. I, I have no idea if, if that's the first I've seen. Really, I, I don't. I, I, I wish dearly that I would remember which is the first horror film I've seen or that scared me, but sadly I cannot. I have to ask my parents, actually. Well, that's an early memory, though. Yeah. Probably or one of the ones. Can, can you remember a first film that scared you? Yes, definitely I can, because pretty strange name. I'm from Czech Republic, basically, uh, and... Uh, so I discover like horror or scary movies around 
already 20 years old because we didn't have this kind of uh, movies in my country because I live in the communism and I remember it and for me it's the, it scares me so much but for me it still stayed the, the best movie which I saw it was Angel Heart yeah mm-hmm. and I really didn't sleep this night <laughs> I didn't sleep whole night but I saw this movie many times after and I really for me it's like reference maybe for you fly for me it's Angel Heart now, since I haven't had a chance to see your film yet, tell me a little bit about it. I don't like so much to talk about the movie because I think it's best to, to just see it and experience it, experience it yourself. But basically, it's a, it's a love story going pretty bad. <laughs> what do you like about working in horror? I mean, what it's, do you... it's so much fun. <laughs> that That's another of these questions that keeps popping up and... And, and 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 that's one of the questions that that starts popping up uh, in your family when you when you do that and 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 you well your parents are supportive and your sister my sister is very supportive but then you know the family I can say like, how can you do that I mean and 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 why do that like it's it's so cool and and maybe you haven't seen the film but maybe you've seen in the program I don't know which picture is in the program because we just arrived but there is a a shower scene with Yasna just under a blood shower and like like what is it's so much fun to have a a naked girl (laughs) under (laughs) a shower of blood it's just like yeah uh, without being pretentious it's a bit like you would ask a painter you know what is so much fun yeah red is my favorite color so you you do it like that it no it's really not joking it's i I think it's it's uh the mix mixing mixing the 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 genre is is really something that that attracts me to to horror cinema and fantastic cinema that that you can treat um in that case a, a real relationship but with a background that that is a bit more fun than just a social background, maybe. That that would be, in that case, a fantasy background, and let's say it's uh, dealing with vampires. But but still, I, I deal with a love story, with, with real people, with real behaviors, I think, but with images that are a bit cooler and, 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 and more interesting. And, yeah, just... just yeah, put, putting real, real behavior in a context that is that is uh, that is more fantastic and, and a bit less real. And I'm asking everybody this question as well: Is there one film that you could pick that you would say you're grateful for? It's still the it's it's the fly it's the fly it's the the one film. Basically, when I was 15 years old and I was watching all all these movies and I was like, like some people that are now seeing all films from really highbrow if you if you say so mm-hmm. that horror is not a genre and, and I was like when I was 15 I was like oh what is good it's like film from true story and all and, and all this stuff we, we are good films from true story sure and, and Ken Loach movie are great or Terrence Malik movie are great but when I saw the flash you can make a horror movie that is a masterpiece and from that day on I said that's what I want to make so I'm, I'm, I'm I will be eternally grateful for David Cronenberg and The Fly, and, and, and I think my mom will never be. <laughs> <laughs> and can you pick a film? I really, something for me, personally, Black Swan, there was something inside uh, because... Fuck yeah, no. <laughs> fuck yeah, but 
I am working like psychologist too. And I found this kind of showing like something about schizophrenia in this way. It really touched me because I am working with the people like this sometimes. Yeah, and, and, the, and in, the, yeah. in the end she wakes up. Yeah, <laughs> super cool. yeah. No, she didn't. She died. Oh no, she had an imaginary friend that okay, had we are not agree le- at lesbian this point. sex with her. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, we are not agree. But this is, this uh, is a, for si- me, this is a there was filmmaker something that does not believe firmly in the show. Sorry, but I, I, I love... Direct actress, not yeah. agree. And, 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 oh, wow, this is the first time. Yeah. And, <laughs> the first time recorded, at least. And, 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 and I love Requiem for Dream, and I love The Wrestler, but when he does Black Swan, and, and, he, and he makes this... This sex scene, and at the end, you just see that it's all in a head. No, come on. Yeah, just, but just something sometimes the things are happening in the head, and it's becoming so scary that yeah. it's still happening just in your head. And, I'm and sure I like this. Metaphor. It's cool in your job, but not on film. I mean, come on, don't don't wake up in film like <laughs> oh, it never happened. I mean, it's happened. I know, and that, that that's why you get paid for in your job. But but on film, it's just it's just stupid. Well, thank you. That was the most entertaining uh, selection I've had. Cheers! <laughs> this is director actress, and uh, you will see him here. We will have a complicity in our movie. I think so. No, I don't think more. Actually, actually, Angel Heart is one of my favorite movies oh. as well. But fuck, Black Swan, no. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, now we're going to talk to a couple of filmmakers, and these guys were local to Wales. Mm-hmm. It's a Welsh film. The director is Karadog James, and the producer is John, and uh, forgive me for if I butcher your last name, Giwa Amu. And they're talking about their film, which is called The Machine. One thing I want to notice is we're going to see a return of a mention of The Fly, because uh, <laughs> Olivier Bigot talks about The Fly. That seems to be a... Cronenberg is a big influence. Yeah, big influence across the board uh, with us as well. Well, yes. so it's, it's nice to hear that said. They do talk about their film, The Machine, mm-hmm. quite extensively in this interview. Is there anything in addition that you might want to talk about? No, I think they do talk about it in quite a lot of detail. It is a not very large budget mm-hmm. sci-fi film. And I think what's commendable is that they understand how to work within those limitations and how to make those limitations appear almost as advantages. Right. So I think if you have a chance to see this film and you're a filmmaker, what you should pay attention to is the sense of how do you work with a low budget and make it look like it's not a low budget. And this is selecting your locations so mm-hmm. that it really plays well for you, that it sets the tone and sets the scene. But it doesn't necessarily have to be expensive. You just have to be clever in how you use it. And same thing with the effects. They didn't have a lot of effects. They had a little bit of CGI, but they knew when to use it and when it would have the most impact so that they didn't have to try and do it everywhere. Right. And it then, could really easily become a detriment. Yeah. And so it allowed – it was a nice balance too between what the effects were and because they didn't have a lot of money, there wasn't a lot of it, but between the effects and the human elements and the story itself. So it doesn't get overwhelmed like some of these Hollywood sci-fi films where you feel like it's really under the weight of these effects mm-hmm. and CGI and all that. So I think – it's a great film for young filmmakers to watch in the sense that you can learn something from this. You do ask them what they would have done with more money. And their answer I really liked, which was essentially it was designed for the budget they had. So it, it does come down to also planning what you're going to do 
And but so anyway, let's just listen to what they have to say. First of all, do you have a film or more than one film that you would say you're thankful for? Well, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Is there a film that I'm thankful for? Yeah, I think I think E.T. I guess is a film that I'm thankful for. Uh, I remember that was one of the first films that my dad took me to see when I was when I was really little. I was like six years old, something like that. I saw it in the cinema. It's one of the first things I saw in the cinema, and made me laugh, it made me cry, it made me terrified, it showed me things I'd never seen before, all in the space of one movie, and, you know, it just blew my mind, and I kind of, on the journey home, I said to my mum, I said, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's absolutely incredible, that's amazing, you know, the, the possibilities of, you know, and I've never seen a film like it, and my mum was like, you know, people actually make films because I kind of thought they were like dreams. Like, up until that point, I'd never really realized that someone made films. She said, no, 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 there's a guy called a director and they, they make movies. And so from that point onwards, I kind of started thinking in a more concrete sense about, you know, I mean, obviously not then, but stage by stage, you know, making movies, that became something that I was, you know, totally passionate about and I never looked back. And do you remember the first time you were scared by a movie? Where was that? E.T. E.T. scared the hell out of me. That, oh, that and Rocky 3, that really scared me as well. Superman 2, man. <laughs> Superman 2 or 3, well, there's wires going over his face. Yeah, and yeah. And he gets yeah. locked in the machine. My sister had to put her hands over my eyes. And I was absolutely terrified and I couldn't sleep. And the next one after that was, it was the first time I watched a horror movie, and that was The Fly. And The Fly, we all know the bit in The Fly, which, you know, is the bit that you've seen The Fly, right? Where he vomits, and yeah, that, that did something to me that stayed with me for days. And I, and I always listened to my mum from then on, I didn't watch horror movies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was Superman 2 or Superman 3. The, the, the kind of the film geeks are going to get me on this, I know it. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's where Superman gets trapped in the machine and all the wires go over his face, and yeah, and, he, and, and a woman's in this like a weird robot woman. <laughs> that was really cool, that bit, actually. Yeah, that was really good. It was really frightening. Though. Superman 3, it was the Richard Pryor Superman. Yeah, 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 yeah. that sounds about right. Yeah. That's scary yeah. for a different reason. Yes. Right. <laughs> Richard Pryor's taking a paycheck of like five million to do two weeks' work. <laughs> now, one of the questions that came up at the screening was, you know, what would you have done if you had a bigger budget? But I'm curious, do you think if you had a bigger budget, it would have been a completely different film and maybe not as good? Well, I suppose that's what I was trying to say, really, in the Q&A, is that it was never designed to be a bigger budget, so it was never really like we were compromising. Um, I mean, I guess we would have had more spectacular special effects, which may not necessarily have hurt the movie, but I just think the team did such great work anyway that I, I suppose... You know, this film is what it is. I, I don't think it was ever designed to be something different. It's not like we compromised in that sense. Um, you know, we, we were very lucky to get what we what we had. But if we had more money, we'd have just got it with less stress. You know, it's really ultimately the only difference that a bigger budget would have made is that, you know, mine and John's hair would be less grainy. Well, I really liked it. And I mean, I don't think watching it, you feel at any point that it's hindered by budget. And I think you turn a lot of the limitations into strengths because keeping it in that kind of claustrophobic, dark world, I thought was really good. It's an interesting experiment. Look, here's five million. What would you do with that? Or here's ten million. What would you do with that? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd like to find out. <laughs> yeah, I'm up for trying. 
Well, hopefully on uh, on the next one, on yeah. on number two or one of our other projects, we're trying to raise finance for. And talk a little bit about creating this story because you you talked about the fact that you did a lot of reading before, yeah. like your kind of prep and research. So, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, I, I spent basically a year reading every book I could on on artificial intelligence and uh, robotics and um, quantum computing and you know. As I said in the Q and A, you know, John managed to get this interview with a guy who works for the Ministry of Defense, which I guess is the American equivalent of what uh, the NSA or CIA. And um, just the way that he described how they're the government's building intelligent machines uh, to weaponize them, you know, through mapping animal brains. You know, first they uh, did the slug brain, then they did a mouse brain. Now they're working on a chimp brain, and that next step to mapping the human brain just the way he was describing it, it really doesn't seem that far away. And, and if we're going to have to deal with machines in, you know, 20, 25 years, or, you know, even 40 years that think and feel like us, um, that's going to pose all kinds of really amazing questions. And so that was the kind of the basis of, you know, what the film's about. You know, what, what does it mean to be human? What is humanity? And does, does the label humanity matter? Or is, or is the, the, the really the fact that you think and care and, uh, and can love and joy dancing as you know the scene in the, in, in the film shows you know is that more important than a label all right we've got one more to go let's go to fabio frizzi before we get going how did you like talking to him oh he was a lot of fun to talk to i also got him to sign my zombie jacket which was i <laughs> can't I've, get more perfect than that yeah i have a zombie jacket that was painted by this artist friend of mine saki and it's got zombies on it and i was thinking oh i don't want to offend the artist who painted the jacket but I am standing next to Fabio Frizzi, who composed the great score for Fulci's films. How can I resist? Yeah, The Beyond and City of Living Dead, yeah. two of my favorite scores of all time. And uh, one thing I want to point out, too, when I was listening to the interview, I was a little confused at the start because I thought he had some kind of personal handler there because someone says, talk slowly for Mr. Frizzi. He doesn't understand English very well. And I realized that that was him talking about himself <laughs> in the third person. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought that was really charming and fun. You know, he's got a very thick Italian accent, but you can still – he's afraid that you can't understand him, but you can but definitely understand him. But you can. Oh, you can him. definitely oh, understand him. Oh, it's just – it's such a great interview to hear. So I'm just going to shut up now and listen to you hear it. <laughs> Have you listened to it? Speaking slowly because Fabio doesn't understand right. very much. Is there a film that you are grateful for? Mm-hmm. Every, every film I did, uh, you know, I love. But uh, yes, maybe there, there are some uh, – uh, some points, some important points for for, for a career. Maybe one of one of the movies I'm, I'm in love with is uh, the Quattro dell'Apocalisse, the Four of Apocalypse. First, because it was the the first meeting with Lucio Fulci. We are tonight. We are speaking about Lucio, and it was a, a mean presence in my working life. The first time. I met him with my trio, Bixio Fritzi Tempera, but uh, was the first. And then also because um, I I loved so much West Coast music, and we had the the opportunity to write songs with uh, with the voice, with the polyphon voice. I mean, with many uh, many tunes, and uh, it's still music I listen to very with a lot of pleasure. 
it's not uh, it's not uh, still uh, the the hard uh, movies of uh, Lucio, but uh, but I think that uh, the Quattro Apocalypse there is a song called the Moving On, with still uh, something very I love it so much. And would you say there's a film that influenced you the most? Somebody else's film, you some film you saw maybe when you were younger or before you actually started writing music for films? Was there like an important film in that respect? Basically, I th- I'm telling about Italian uh, movies because uh, when I was younger, when I, I often met also person people who were involved in in uh, Italian music, uh, Italian uh, movies uh, ambience. Uh, maybe c'era una volta il West it was uh, from Sergio Leone uh, music from uh, Ennio Morricone and, uh, and then, then I think that was uh, one of the first uh, spaghetti western like someone calls with a great style with a, a music uh, to dream I mean and uh, um, I think that some of Morricone's themes of that moment had a big influence in my my growth. I mean, I was very young. I think I was 13 or something. But, you know, there are things that sign you and, and, and it remains. We're at a horror festival here. Yeah. So I wanted to know, can you remember the first film that ever scared you? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's difficult to 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 remember because uh, when you are when you are a, a little baby man in, uh, there is one that scares my 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 more little children and maybe uh, when i was a little maybe it happened also to me it was bianca neve i sette nani uh, white white nation in the the seven uh, yeah, yeah uh, oh snow white in the seven uh, that, okay <laughs> Because, you know why? Because uh, there is a, the, the old uh, uh, strega. Ah, the witch. The, the witch. It's uh, and it was uh, for for me and for my now my my last daughter is thirteen, and my last uh, male is eight. But both of them, and, and I think maybe me, <laughs> also me. Uh, when they, they they saw the the, the which, ah, they were so afraid they didn't, they didn't want to see again the movie <laughs> it's incredible because it's a so a splendid movie but uh, la strega di biancaneve we say the strega the witch of biancaneve right <laughs> and what did you enjoy most about working with fulci on these kind of horror films sure the 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 thing uh, it's, uh, it's maybe the the the, the, the best uh, joy working in this uh, was to have a to have a story i mean uh, it was not an, an episode when, when we began uh, the, the zombie then uh, the other then the other then till gatto un gatto nel cervello was the last i, I did with, with lucio it was like uh, living together with uh, with a family. Before the, there was a, this a great actor who was with us tonight. Uh, was telling Lucio needed a family, but I think every normally every um, Italian director I met needed this um, because uh, when you begin a project, it's so so hard, so heavy, you know, uh, to 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 go ahead. And if you have uh, some friends every day, the, the, uh, you go on the on set uh, to, for, for shooting, and every day you have got uh, 
100 friends, uh, then the actor of friends, and, and you work them. There is the moment you, you are, ah! but uh, the family is, is, is helping. And, um, and I think that in that uh, eight, nine years, ten years, uh, I was uh, uh, Lucio Fucci's family also. And how was it seeing the films for the first time with your music on it? I mean, what was that feeling like? Uh, it's, it is every time uh, uh, a big emotion. Also, after so many years, when I do a new project, uh, uh, you see the, the movie uh, Naked, no? be, be, be before the music. No, and I, I say Naked because uh, often you have uh, the idea, I, I, I don't tell you which one, but one of the last things I did is uh, an American movie, a very splatter, very... He asked me, well, uh, at last uh, it was a good guy, and I decided to do. But, and he sent, uh, this, this movie was naked. I mean, tear images are very hard. Then I, I, I have to, uh, like uh, uh, Christian Dior, I mean, uh, I have to dress uh, the, this, this movie. And also with good movies, uh, they, and they, they maybe don't, don't need my dress so much, but... Uh, when you see first time after working, working, and you see the movie, you see that it's another, like a, a girl. Before it was a, now it's a, a class girl. It's a change, and every time for me it's a, a great emotion to, to to see because I love my work. You, you see, I can I can understand that you see that I love my work, and every time it's a, a new. A new gamble. I mean, uh, and at last you are you are so so happy to happy. Sometimes also happy that the, the, the movie ended because it's uh, it's an hard work. All right, they're signaling. I think so. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you to you. It was a <laughs> real pleasure. Okay, that brings us back to what we were talking about before with this Disney thing. Both he and the director of Shimer, Olivier Begia. Both mention Disney mm-hmm. as what were probably the first films that scare them. In fact, uh, Fabio Frizzi goes as far as to say it's scaring his own children. So what do you think about that? I think Disney films were designed to scare kids. And uh, <laughs> Clive Barker, when I asked him, he mentioned both uh, Sleeping Beauty and Monstro the Whale from Pinocchio mm-hmm. as being the films that he remembered. I think he said it made him pee in his pants or something. <laughs> but think about it. You have Bambi, where the mother dies mm-hmm. at the very beginning. You have Monster of the Whale. You have the Wicked Witch in Snow White. Uh, I mean... Maleficent there... becoming the dragon. Yes. And I mean, I remember there was a story that they had to change the upholstery at the Radio City Music Hall because the kids peed in the seats when wow. they saw the witch in Snow White. I have no idea if this is true, but this is a story I've, I've heard. <laughs> you know, and, and that's part of what fairy tales... Are about also absolutely. I've had a whole episode about yeah. that with Karen Lamb about fairy tales being essentially horror stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in Disney, it's it may be less of what they are in like the grim fairy tales, which mm-hmm. is more of kind of a cautionary tale about you know if you do this, you're going to be punished. Yeah. I think it's more of kind of introducing grief and sadness in some ways, like Bambi's mother dying. It's like, how do you get kids accustomed to the fact that, hey, your grandmother might pass away? Or being separated. Yeah. And so I think that's more a different kind of fear. It's more a fear of these kind of personal losses Mm -hmm. and how you kind of overcome them. But 
those are terrifying things to a young child. Definitely, definitely. I, I thought that's really fascinating. And what's even more fascinating is we saw it twice here, but I know you've asked that question before, like you just mentioned Clive Barker. Barker. Mm. But it happens, it comes up a lot. It People does. People bring that up a lot. That and those flying monkeys from Wizard of Oz. Yeah, the flying monkeys, of course. <laughs> <laughs> those damn monkeys. All right, so let's just wrap this up with um, some of your favorite films from Avatar. What did they show that's worth checking out? Well, you know, since we just came out of this interview with Fabio Frizzi, let me mention this film called The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, which is kind of a takeoff on Italian giallo, but done by French filmmakers. This is one of the most gorgeous films I think I have ever seen. And some people maybe have their patience tried because it's not plot driven. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a dreamlike state. It's like a fever dream where you wake up in a cold sweat and you don't know where you are and then you fall back into sleep and you end up in another place. And <laughs> But it does have a story and it does have a continuity to it if you follow it all the way through. It's mm-hmm. just not a conventional one. But the images are so seductive. You can't help but fall in love with this movie, I think. And then um, very different from that was Painless, which is a Spanish film, which has a little a little hint of like the devil's backbone the Guillermo mm-hmm. del Toro film but again it's a film that starts kind of in one direction and goes off in another that surprises you and th- I found that at a number of these films and that's what I really liked about a lot of these films is that they constantly kind of defied expectations yeah. so and again this one had a certain beauty to it in certain places and some horrific elements as well that one was excellent the machine we just talked about uh, again I think it was is a very cleverly made film. I think it had ideas at its core that it wanted to talk about, and it also had some really slick-looking science fiction elements to it as well. So it was a nice mix of something that was a thoughtful science fiction film. It wasn't just a showy or not completely fantasy. I, I really appreciated that. That was another one that was good. Kamir's that we talked about, again, I like the twist that it took. It mm-hmm. went in an unexpected way in... And it was a vampire story, and yet it wasn't. And it is a film, talking about Disney, it is a film that teaches you how someone deals with grief and how someone decides what to do when something bad happens to a loved one. And Mm -hmm. that was the interesting kind of twist to it. It's not just that it's a vampire love story, but it's a very particular kind of relationship and how it turns when this one character becomes a vampire. So uh, that was one of my favorites. And then for something humorous, mm-hmm. there was Bad Milo, which was hilarious and uh, gives kind of new meaning to a creature feature. Uh, this <laughs> creature comes out of the anus of the main character and kind of represents his id. But that was a very enjoyable film. And then uh, the the last film I'll mention that I really liked was The Borderlands, which mm-hmm. is uh, kind of a Catholic horror film. Uh, I believe being Always raised Catholic, yeah. uh, being raised Catholic <laughs> introduces you to horror at a very young age. And um, I, I think some of our best horror filmmakers have that in them. But this one is a found footage film. Mm-hmm. But it does offer a nice twist on found footage in that it sets up a way to do the found footage that makes it much more believable And also where it doesn't become this distraction at the end where you're going, if I was that scared, I wouldn't be holding a camera or, you know, if this was going on, it sets it up in a way that makes it credible. You do have to make a leap of faith at one point, but um, 
It's very well done. Very well done. So a very nice selection of films, and th- those would be my top ones. But there wasn't – I don't think I saw a bad movie there. Right, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's rare. Yeah. yeah so I think I'll have a list of those films up on the show notes of the website at monsterislandresort.org just so people can really get the names, copy mm-hmm. paste them into IMDb. Maybe See if you can find, find them. them. Yeah, we cause... will try to get some here in San Diego. I would love to show them as part of our Film Geeks program. Yep. And uh, as long as we're on that, before we finish up, just a reminder for anyone who's within a 150-mile radius, <laughs> we do a monthly film program called Film Geeks at our micro cinema here in San Diego. It's part of the Media Arts Center. The theater is called the Digital Gym Cinema at 2921 El Cajon Boulevard, and we show unique or fringe films that will not make it to the theater in San Diego. And we've started doing a little bit of a revival program mm-hmm. as well that uh, I believe has been pretty successful. So yes, yes. I'd like to see more of that. Coming up in mid-February, we are showing the remake We Are What We Are, which is a, a really excellent remake. Yes, don't flinch at this remake. I yes. mean, I know a, a lot of horror fans go like, oh, there was a I'm horrible making remakes, yeah. Carrie. This is one where I have to confess, I started watching it. I had a chip on my shoulder. I was going, this is not going to be better than the original film. And the first scene disappointed me. And by 30 or so minutes in, I was so totally hooked. And I was going, this is the way to do a remake. Right. Really excited to show that. After that, the 21st and 22nd, we'll be showing Rays, the film starring Zoe Bell Mm -hmm. as uh, a woman who is one of many who are kidnapped so they can brutally fight each other to the death. And we also have coming up Almost Human, starring our friend Graham Skipper from Reanimator the Musical, directed by Joe Bagos, a very independent alien horror film that has made a lot of waves in this community. So we have a lot of great stuff coming up. We hope that we can see you there and join our mailing list. If you go to HIFilmFest.com, there's a link to click on the mailing list. Follow Beth at Cinebeth, C-I-N-E-B-E-T-H, and myself at Monster Resort on Twitter. And we're all over Facebook, as you probably know if you're listening to this. So, and like the Film Geeks page. Yeah, definitely. We'll, like definitely, we'll always have information about what's coming up next. Mm-hmm. And as Beth always says, when we do those screenings... Take a friend. It's easy to fill that theater. It's only 50 seats. Anyway, thanks for uh, for joining me and talking more about this. I'd like to get you on the show more. I have some ideas. <laughs> I'm totally game. Excellent.